Welcome to the Searching for SaaS podcast, where you'll join Nate and Josh, two founders on very different stages of their businesses. Nate is earlier on his journey and is looking for something to stick, while Josh is in the company building phase. Together, they will geek out on software as a service and share their stories. Let's dive into today's episode. Today, Josh and I get into a lot of whys. Why did we start our podcast and why is SaaS for us and why not other indie types of businesses? Yeah, hey, Nate. How are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? Good. So we kind of launched our podcast uh, a little accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell a little bit about what happened? Well, Josh accidentally mentioned it in uh, a group of friends, and so they all found out about it. And then our friends are awesome, so they told everyone else about it on Twitter. And so now everyone knows. We have a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think our intention was to have at least maybe three or four episodes. I think we wanted to try this out a bit. We were tinkering with the the post-production things. Um, Josh got a mic. <laughs> yeah, sounds way better, way better. Yeah, well, sounds as good as yours does, at least, I hope, since you recommended it. So. <laughs> well, we have the same mic, so it'd be pretty bad if they sounded different. So what I wanted to cover a little bit today is is some of these whys. And I think the first one is kind of like, why did we start a podcast? I think this was a good one, given that now everyone sees we're, we're out there, what, what our intent is. Yeah. So we were talking anyways about business ideas and stuff. And it's like, well, why, why not record it? And at least other people could maybe benefit from it. And it'll force us to dig a little deeper into some of the things we talk about. So I think when we first started talking about it, we, we did have a little conversation on what we wanted to gain out of this. Maybe you can go a little bit about what's the best case scenario out of, out of us and this podcast for you. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out the whole startup landscape and, and how to go about things. And it's a whole new world for me. Just, I feel a little bit overwhelmed by all the things going on. And so for me, if these discussions help me to learn more and to share more than like, I think that's, that's the biggest win that it could be for me. And I guess in terms of, in terms of fears, like it's just talking in public can be a little scary sometimes. Just you wonder how people will, will take the things that you say, or, you know, it'd be like, Oh, well, that was a dumb mistake. And you're like, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to tell the world that, but okay. And what about for you? What, what did you hope to get out of it? Like what could, could be the best things for you and the worst? Well, I would say I've, I've wanted to start a podcast for a while and probably trying to understand my motivations of that. I'm not quite exactly sure, but I, I thought it would be a good way to practice my speaking in a more concise and hopefully succinct manner. So hopefully that'll evolve over time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we've been making good progress on that already. Yeah. My, my biggest fear out of that is kind of the flip side, that it doesn't progress and maybe it gets worse. Maybe now you put a mic and now I'm a diva and now I can't stop talking. And I think as our, our friend Colleen mentioned, she laughed out loud when I mentioned my fear of Josh splaining. So <laughs> that's probably my biggest fear out of any of this is that, you know, there's, there's way too much Josh splaining. Oh, there's always post-production for that. <laughs> cool. So... That's that's why we started this. But what are you what are you hoping that our audience gets out of this? I, I'm hoping that people find it entertaining, at least to listen to it the at the minimum. And I think for the 
the other folks who are out there trying to get something off the ground or have ideas and they just want to take their first steps. I hope that this is a way that they can kind of see our experiences and, and learn from them. They can avoid our mistakes, uh, hopefully, and yeah, hopefully they'll be better off for it. Yeah, I think that's a big goal I have for you. I knew that one of your goals out of this was to learn more about this. And if I can help make your SaaS dreams come true, that would be enough for me. And and again, if out of the audience, if hearing some of these conversations helps either people realize we're just as smart or just as dumb as they are, I think that would be a, you know, a good thing for the world. Yeah, totally. We're, we're all in this together. Cool. Well, I did want to get a little bit into our second why, which heavily relates to our podcast title. So we now have to talk about SaaS. So why don't we start with that? And why SaaS as a business model for you, Nate? Oh, I think that's a big question. It's it's probably a little bit emotional, but I think you, you can kind of take it from a bunch of different angles. Like there's kind of the, the lifestyle side of it, the what do I like to do for work part of it, the the security and the the pricing structures and stuff like that. So wait, wait, let, let, let's hold up. So let's walk back a couple steps. So you said the lifestyle. Let's let's dig into that a bit. What do you imagine out of the the SaaS the SaaS lifestyle? I, I think what I would appreciate out of that is the, the there's more flexibility in terms of when you need to work, like what sorts of hours you need to hold, when you can go on vacation. Yeah, just because your your customers are on a recurring basis, and so that income is continuing to come in whether you're actively pushing on it or not. And yeah, you can set up a, a model where your customers aren't as reliant on you being there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, so, so no more just uh, clocking hours for dollars? Is that's, that what you're saying? And, and <laughs> I guess there's a, that, that's in there too, right? Like the you're not trading time for money. That's the one mm -hmm. part. And then the other part is also how reliant your customers are on you being available all the time. Mm, right. So it's also like your mind share. You currently do consulting, so... Your clients are, are dependent on you for things, and maybe you're even on call for their servers or different things, and your your time is not always your own. Is that That's, Would that be an accurate exactly. statement? Yeah. I feel like when you have your own SaaS, you're kind of your, your own boss in a way. Whereas when you're consulting, you, you are your own boss, but you are still working for someone else, and they are sort of your boss in a way. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I would counter with that a little bit in terms of this, the SaaS will own you, but we'll get into that another day. <laughs> but yes, I think I think I agree in the in the lifestyle technically that yes, you will be able to do that now. What whether the SaaS pulls you in and where you end up in the undertow, so to speak, might be a different <laughs> a different conversation. Yeah. But you brought you went into another one. So you also said like your skill set, right? So so you're a developer. So there are other directions you could go as a indie, make your own way in the world type of thing. Nowadays, it's bigger than ever being a creator, being a maker, doing courses, doing info products, being a YouTube star. Mm -hmm. None of that is in the cards for you? No, I, I guess I just don't find those other things as appealing. When I picture uh, a happy afternoon of work, I picture code and user interfaces and optimizing that for people that I care about, right? Like, when you're building, you're building a software as a service. It's you're you're serving these customers and you're you're making their experience better. And if I can, if I can do that with code, that just that just makes me happy. Okay, so it's like you built a system that now 
saves people time, saves people money, solves a pain point, solves a problem, and it lives on a server for the most part, doesn't require your time. You're not like on a, on a bike sitting there, you know, turning wheels to keep the power on or anything like that is you built something that is a value in withstanding. Right. And, and I think that the, the other content type businesses, I think they're just the dynamics of how you build it and how you maintain it are different, right? Like with content, I know a lot of people do courses or books and that's like a ton of upfront work doesn't see the light of day. And then all of a sudden, boom, switches on and people are either buying it or not. And then it kind of trickles out from there and it just becomes kind of a marketing game, at least in my perspective. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think it's probably not too bad, I would think, because I, I have seen people do courses where they might only record out the first like two or three and then they kind of launch and they're, they kind of set a hook in for themselves so that, hey, if I get this many or this many people do it, I'll be on the hook and feel obligated to finish the the other you know six six segments or so. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But I think that one of the differences is that with SaaS, it's like you're providing like an ongoing benefit to your customers and you're able to tweak that that experience as you get feedback while you're moving forward, as opposed to kind of it's either a one shot where people go through your course content once or you're not able to edit it very easily. Like, for instance, you put up a YouTube video, it's more difficult to, you know, retake a section of it and try and edit it or something like that. Right. But what about the level of effort for any of these? Like a potential SaaS endeavor, as you've been burned before, spending months or even a year of total time where, you know, possibly a course could have been, you know, maybe a couple months of effort or a couple of weeks, something like that. Like you could do it in definitely probably more bite-sized chunks. Yeah, that, that is true. Initially when you said, oh, hey, you should do some content. I was like, no, like I don't do content. That's <laughs> not me. And I think I'm, I'm slowly getting to the point where it's like, no, I just prefer to do SaaS. It's not that I, you know, the other things are so bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to try to really convince you to do content. Although I would argue at some point when you have a SaaS, you're going to have to do all of it in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, you know, and Hey, well, actually, if anything, you know, this experience with this podcast, I mean, this is much more like content right now. You're getting your toes dipped into a content creator world here with uh, our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we covered the big whys on the podcast. We covered a lot of the whys on, on SaaS. I guess kind of wrapping up a little bit on the SaaS front, what what does successful SaaS look like to you? Like, let's say everything we're doing in this podcast goes well and we're, we go through some ideation, we go through some validation, we go through getting first customers and we get you off the ground somewhere. What does success look like for you? What, is, what does that look like from that perch for you? I think the the first kind of goal is to have customers who really do care about a piece of software that I've built that they're willing to pay for it. Like it's it's worth it for them to use use my software and I think there's a lot of fulfillment that comes out of that. I think that's goal number 1 and then goal number 2 is to kind of ramp that up to the point where it's able to sustain me working on it full time and at that point whether it stays at me and that's it is fine. Or if the, the market needs more people to support it, then if I can grow that out to the point that it's, you know, a stable, stable company that's got all the, the things that people want. Okay. 
So, so that's interesting because I, I would say, you know, there's definitely entrepreneurs out there with with the SaaS indie maker mindset and any one of these little values that drive you might be different, right? Like you mentioned the one about, hey, if it takes more employees or a bigger team or other things, like I'm happy to kind of let let the SaaS and the market and the customers essentially more dictate the model. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm flexible, however that goes. And I think that that kind of makes it easier to choose uh, a software to build because there's more range of opportunities than I think. Right, because you talked about lifestyle design, which was interesting because I think there's entrepreneurs that might look for ideas purely that they you know, don't ever want to grow past one or two people. I think a lot of people have a knee-jerk reaction at times, and a lot of people go into indie businesses, SaaS businesses, with the dream of lifestyle, of freedom, and of making at least their income, if not more, and, and not be capped on the upside, potentially. Yeah. But then they also may not be willing to go and re-up and say, now I need to hire people, and now I need to manage people. A lot of people don't like that, and that's almost, almost oftentimes a reason to go on your own. Yeah, yeah. I think people can dislike having management and stuff like that, and you know they could be frustrated with dealing with people in an organization, and they can kind of react in that way. I, I don't particularly feel that way. Maybe I did when I first quit my job, but yeah. <laughs> Have you managed people before or had, had a lot of bosses and things like that? Yeah, as my story is actually quite similar to yours in the sense that I worked at another software company before and I started as a, a junior developer there and kind of moved up the, the ladder to managing. I think I had four or five people there that I was managing. And then as part of my consulting engagements, I've managed a number of teams with that. And yeah, I, I don't mind it. I think it's, I think it's kind of fun in, in some respects, but I also enjoy working by myself. I think I, I like both. Okay. Okay. But that, yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad to hear that that, that won't be a, a constraint within you searching for a, a SaaS idea. So yeah, I just probably want to close a little bit with people talk about like all the good ideas are taken in SaaS and all these things like that. And I mean, I'd probably just close with just saying, I think now more than ever is the best time for a SaaS. What's that, that old proverb? Have you ever heard the one where it said that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago? And <laughs> The second best time is now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think people often feel like all the ideas are taken because you see how many new ideas people come up with, or you see how much effort it is to come up with something new. And yeah, I, I know at times I feel discouraged that way, but or they they see all the things and they're like, oh, I thought of that, or I couldn't have think of that. But yeah, I think the biggest part that I would say on that one is it's all iterative. I think a lot of the SaaS ideas now are built upon previous winners or previous markets that grew out of things. So I feel like it's continuously changing over time. You know, what is a, a good SaaS idea today? Obviously, you're not going to see that come to fruition for another another couple of years. But yeah, I think a good way is just hopefully we'll get you there. Hopefully we'll find a, an idea and start start your, your tree planted. So Yeah, yeah, I think so. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at Searching for SAS on Twitter. That's Searching, the number four, SAS. Or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. 
See you next week.